Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, January 25th. The secret of earthly happiness is to flow gracefully with change, allow things freely to come and go, all things pass, people, events, time, life itself. Learn to accept every fresh experience joyfully. I met Swami Kriyananda in 1969. He'd hardly written any books at that point. One of them was a small book. It was a collection of uh, wise sayings, not dissimilar to this, although not organized at all like this. It was called Yours, the Universe. And it was um, transcriptions. It had been taken, I believe, from lectures and classes he'd given. It was actually looked about like this, this size, different color, different organization, but same wisdom. And... I remember vividly one of the things I read in that book that struck me so powerfully that it stays with me now. Let's see. The only certainty in life is change. Most people resist change. That's why so many people suffer. And it was, whoa, that was, it was pretty much as simple as that. You know, you start with a premise and then you talk about the consequences of it. And there you have it. And so we can sit there and be upset about it, <clears throat> which is what we do. <clears throat> we, re- <clears throat> we rebel. We protest. We often lock ourselves in the room and we beat our heads against the wall and we kick and we scream and we do all sorts of things perhaps that we shouldn't do. But in the end, the essential premise is going to stand. So, the essential premise of life is the only certainty in life is that everything changes. You you don't have to be very old or very conscious to actually realize that. I recently, on the YouTube channel that I have, um, most of the most of what's on there has been put on, you know, in the last, I don't know, decade at the most. But there was also a whole series of uh, videos that were made more than 20 years ago. And a lot of what was on there was quite good. So someone took it upon himself to post a great number of those. And I just happened the other day to be looking for something, and there it was, and I posted them. I was, mis- I was misled because the date on them was the date they were posted, which was five years ago. And I was looking at the person who was doing the speaking, which is, of course, the same body. And I just thought, whoa, five years is really, I've really changed a lot. And then I realized it was 21 years ago. But my goodness, I've changed. I mean, it just, 21 years is a long time for a woman, especially because we have this uh, marvelous thing called beauty fades. <laughs> there's even, the, there's even in the reverse words, a faded beauty. Not that I think was, I was ever a beauty, but what little you have, it really just changes. You look so completely different. And my goodness, a person could mourn that if they needed to. In, in my own life, fortunately, well, I'll go back to the fourth grade. That was the critical moment for me. 
I was in the fourth grade. I was very, very myopic. I needed to wear glasses, but I wanted to be pretty. And I thought a person who wore glasses wasn't pretty, so I struggled around in life not wearing my glasses, trying to be pretty. And then sitting across the aisle from me, I still remember I was in Texas at the time, and there was this gal, and her name was Missy Rate. I remember Missy Rate. And Missy Rate was a natural beauty, even in the age of nine. She was just a beautiful girl. There's no way around it. And uh, sometimes Missy wore glasses. And I noticed that when Missy was not wearing her glasses, she was beautiful. And when she was wearing her glasses, she was beautiful. And it crossed my mind that glasses weren't the key. (laughs) So I happily put on my glasses so I could see my way in life and develop my sense of humor because I could see I was not going to be able to trade on my face. It just wasn't going to happen. And in fact, I was sort of skinny and undeveloped, and I developed late, and all my friends got their woman bodies when I still looked like a a little stick. So the only thing that was going to happen for me was personality, which I consider to be actually a great blessing. I mean, I'm not homely. God knows that. But I I could never get anywhere with my face alone. It was actually interesting to me because later uh, when I was living here in this community, this woman um, lived here for a time. And she also, she was a natural beauty. She was just, she was also a lovely person, but she just also had, she was tall, she was graceful. Um, She had extraordinarily, extraordinary blue eyes, marvelous profile, incredible long hair, just, you know, just really beautiful. And she'd always been beautiful because that's who she was. And she told me that it had made her so lazy that it was just the most appalling thing because she could just walk into a room, she said, and she would just sit there and all this stuff would happen around her. She didn't have to put out any energy. She merely had to arrive. And by that point in her life, and she married a man who who loved her dearly, but wonderfully was actually quite indifferent to the fact that she was so beautiful. He was aware of it, but it, it meant nothing to him which completely liberated her. And I noticed it was sort of funny. She sort of started dressing in a less flattering way. She got a bad haircut and a fairly clunky pair of glasses. It was just like, I don't, I'm not going to do this anymore. I really, I need to be someone else. So she didn't wait to become a faded beauty. She just decided to be something else. Now, I use that as an example because I, I am of an age. I've actually transitioned through it pretty well, but it was it was startling to me. Even as as disinclined as I was to define myself by that, it was very interesting to watch youth fade and age take over. It just is what it is. And it was so vivid to me about the absolute inevitability of change. And and all I did was thank God every day I had never staked myself out on being a beautiful woman, not that it was ever an option, but what if I had? Now, just And just think about all the different things in our lives that we stake ourselves out on, that this is who I'm going to be. I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be the parent of these children. I'm going to be the proud mother of so-and-so. I'm going to have this wonderful home. I'm going to have this career. I'm going to be an athlete. I mean, just, you know, you name it. And how many of those things can we actually really rely on. I mean, maybe we'll be lucky. Maybe we'll have good karma and we'll be able to use our willpower and make something happen. But how long will it last? 
a friend of mine who very successfully built up a very good company, and he was very intuitive about what was needed. He, he was a pioneer in, in what became a very popular field. He had a very intuitive sense of what was coming. So he built up a very good company, and then he sold it, and part of selling it was that he was going to continue to have a role in it. But very quickly, the people who took it over from him just sidelined him. And for a while, he was talking to me, for a while he was sort of chafing. Who are you to sideline me? I'm the one who built this whole thing up. I'm the one who knows. And then one day he just realized, I'm drawing a full salary for doing nothing. (laughs) And all of a sudden, instead of it being a problem, he just began to say, this is great. But until he accepted change, he had defined himself, understandably, because he was very successful. He'd raised a family. He'd done a really good job. He Actually, it was a very serviceable profession. He'd done a lot of good, but then it was gone. So is that who I am? And, and that's, you know, there's a whole spiritual um, sadhana. It, it's, it's not central to the Kriya Yoga path that I follow, but it's a completely valid spiritual path, which is based on three words, who am I? And, and if you start meditating on who am I? Who am I? You know, am I my five-year-old self, my 12-year-old self, my 90-year-old self? Am I the mother of young children? Am I the woman who never got to have children? Am I the unmarried spinster? Am I the, the matriarch of a huge family? And then what happens when it changes? Do I disappear? Or do I, who am I? Which I goes on? And at the very end of it, as Swami cheerfully reminds us, and I find it a cheerful reminder, we all die. Everybody dies. And the whole big construct just goes away. In very traditional you know, Indian society, which is not followed anymore, but in Vedic times, toward the end of everyone's life, you would, in, in, symbolically it was said, you would leave the world and go into the forest. And sometimes, literally, that's how you do it. In the Mahabharata, which is this epic tale of, of kings and wars and so on, when everything is finally settled and the, the, the rightful king and his brothers have gained control of the kingdom, it's also symbolic, but it's literal, it's historical. And they're all finally set. Then the generation above them says, now that this is all done, we're going to the forest. And, you know, the king laments, you know, I did it for my mother, I want my mother to stay. She says, I've had enough of your world. And then they go off to the forest, and there's forest ashrams, and they just repudiate the whole identity that they'd had. Instead of living it out, surrounded by grandchildren, and constantly affirming, you know, my role as the matriarch, she's, you know, death is coming. I'm going to have to let it all go. It's going to be, am I going to have it be forcibly torn from my hands? Or am, am I going to have gracefully relinquished it and spend my latter years attuning myself to the part of me that was never touched by all of these experiences and will not be touched even by death itself? Just live humbly in the forest asking the question, who am I? And, you know, in the West, that's not what we do in the West, even when my father... Well, my father was slightly different, but I saw people in the, in the rest homes, the care home where he was, because his mind was not functioning the last couple of years of his life. And, and he, was in, he was very well taken care of. But I would see how, 
you know, everybody's room, they'd have all these accoutrements of the life that this person had lived. Even when that person's mind was no longer capable of holding on to that, everybody around them would try to constantly remind them that this is who they were. And I thought, oh, this is so unhelpful. You know, this person is ready. I mean, imposed by brain break. The brain breaks. The consciousness doesn't break. But the brain malfunctions. But, you know, they're why should we constantly reaffirm this? Why should they go out clutching who they used to be? Why would they not want to just open themselves to the next adventure that's coming to them? Very often, interestingly, an elder person will choose, you know, they'll, they'll be surrounded by their family, and then finally there'll be a moment when there's no family present, and that's when the person will choose to die. And then I've had people come to me, oh, you know my... My mother, I was with my mother every day for three weeks, and then I just stepped out of the room to make a phone call, and that's when she died, and they'll feel like they betrayed their mother. I say, no, for heaven's sakes, your mother was waiting for the moment when also it was easier for her. It was easier for her to leave when you, who she loves so much, and you love her, holding her, you know, she holding herself, and you holding her to that self-definition, which he needed to put down. I mean, it happens so often, we have to think not that it's a continual failure, it's often exactly what that person needs. They need to be alone in that moment because they have to repudiate all those identities. I was with a man and his wife, she had a brain tumor, and we were, we were with her in her final hours, and he was sitting with her, and, and he had seen it coming. And so it wasn't as if he wasn't reconciled. But at a certain point, like we'd been there for three or four hours, they had removed the, all the life support, but she wasn't passing. And he finally looked across, I say across because we were on either side of the bed, and he said, she's never going to die as long as I'm here. And he said, I think I have to go home. And he leaned over, and he kissed her, and he said goodbye to her, and he left. And you know, like an hour and a half later, she left her body. He was exactly right. She, she just couldn't leave while he was there. And so he did her the favor. Now, I'm talking about the final change, the big change, which is death itself, but everything should be measured by that. Why, why when life takes something away from us, do we chase it and cry about it? Now, heartbreak, grief, disappointment, loss, I'm not... I'm not counseling that we become insincere or inauthentic. But we also have to become accepting and realistic. I remember at a point I was very sad about changes that had taken place in my life. But the changes were irreversible because the, the people involved had changed. And there was, just, there was no going back. There was no place on heaven or earth where the past could be resurrected. And I, I remember thinking to myself... If I weep for that which is gone and will never return, I said, I will have to weep for the rest of my life. And that seemed like a bad idea to me. So I began to train myself to see life differently. So Swami says, The secret of earthly happiness is to flow gracefully with change, allow things freely to come and go, all things pass, people, events, time, life itself. Learn to accept every fresh experience joyfully.
Joy to you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners. So if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.